Hey everybody. It is going to be a uh, a, a solo stream today. I'm gonna give people a couple of minutes to get situated. I gotta God, I forgot to have my co-host here. Oh, I had to bring the stunt double out for those listening audio only. That is the Pushinosaurus thing. Uh, we got, oh, I might say this wrong. Is it Broxy or Broxy uh, saying good evening? It is 1 p.m. in the afternoon for me, so good afternoon for me. Good evening for you. We have good day from Chris Polk. Gonna wait for people to get in here and hang out. We're gonna be talking all about getting your printer from zero to hero. We've got a lot to cover. It's a solo stream, so this one should be... I'm going to try to keep it reasonably short for you guys, the way everyone can get back to their days. Um, we're just going to go over some of these things. We've been doing this whole series called Print Fail Friday. Maybe you've heard of it. And uh, we kind of run into these exact same problems over and over and over again. And so I want to talk about them. So, first off... I'd like to kind of hear from you guys in the audience. Um, what do you think makes a good 3D printer? Um, me personally, I love it when it just freaking works, right? Sometimes machines will just freaking work. Other times they don't. Um, kind of depends. But I want to talk about it because we've got a lot of things out there that really set good printers and cheap printers apart. Now, let me be clear here. You can spend a small amount of money and get a lot of freaking printer for the money. Hey, Jimmy, thanks for being a patron. Appreciate it. But realistically, you could, um, you know, look at getting a cheaper printer. And upgrading it. So let's talk about this. Because I, 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 one, I'm kind of at a, a standstill with this print fail Friday thing. Because I feel like we're just covering the same stuff over and over and over again. And like as a content creator, that upsets me. Um, and I think a lot of that is just because like people don't know how to use the search function <laughs> of a website. But honestly, I'm not 100% sure. But I want to go through things because this this past Print Fail Friday kind of opened up my eyes a little bit. And I think if you are looking to get into this industry or you are in this industry, those videos uh, can actually be pretty useful. Um, I need to do a better job of titling them. So if anyone has like better ways to title these videos, because we do cover quite a few things in each video. And I can't fit that in like the hundred characters YouTube gives you. And of course, it's got to have a catchy thumbnail, right? Got to have me doing some weird facial expression. Uh, and it's also we, we do like that pixelated version of one of the fails. For some reason we think that helps. I don't know. Uh but I want to kind of talk about this because it was one of those fails and it was a, uh, a nozzle failure and it was a picture of a nozzle and the nozzle was just kind of, it had some material on it, right? It had some filament on it. It wasn't even burnt. It just had some filament residue on it. And, uh, I look at that and say they've replaced their nozzle. They said they replaced their nozzle like three times and after a couple of prints, their nozzle looks like this. Well, you don't have to replace the nozzles when they look like crap. 
right? If they look like crap and they still work, that's great. I would like to present you exhibit A right here. I don't look great, but I still, <laughs> I still work just fine. Well, I worked better a couple of years ago, but you know, we're working with what we got here. But what we're seeing is that, and, and I, and maybe you guys can help me out in those comments. I, we're seeing the vast majority of these issues be on Ender printers, whether it's the Ender 3, Ender 5, uh, I'm trying to get an Ender 7, that might be a thing, so, you know, maybe that'll happen. The company wants me to pay for it, then I do the review, then they give me the money back. I'm like, no, that's not how this is going to work, but, um, I, I, I don't know if the problems with these Creality printers are related to the fact that they are so damn popular that it is just a guarantee that they're going to have the vast majority of failures or if the user base that is buying them is looking for a cheaper machine, right? And because they're looking for a cheaper machine, they're likely getting cheaper components, right? I will say, there are things on all machines I look at and say, well, it could be better, right? If Prusa didn't 3D print anything and it was all made out of machined aluminum and machined titanium, it would be way better, but it would also cost an arm and a leg more. No offense, Jordan. I don't think you're here, but that was a funny joke. Um, and, and so like, I, I, I sit here and I wonder why. So I want to talk about what I believe are some of these common failure modes of these 3D printers. Uh, only because no one admits to running an Anet A8 anymore. Uh, Brooksy, I've got a local client who ha not only has an Anet A8, but it caught fire on them. And I am trying to find a way to get that printer in hand. Because one, I want to do a video and show how dangerous these actually are. But then two, document thermal runaway. And then three, what a cool print fail Friday. Am I right? Just all about the A net A. That'd be a really cool print fail Friday. Um, I, I, I agree with what Jimmy said. He said, we need percentages. And that's true. I, I And this is not something that's like statistically known. What is the percentage of an Ender 3 out there on the market, right? Are they? 10% of the market? Are they 30%? Are they 80%? Where, you know, where does it land? So let's start with one of the easiest things to replace. And it is easy, but it is daunting. And Sanjay talks about this all in the first episode of the Sanjay interview. Uh, you guys can find that on our YouTube channel. I look it up. Um, where... It is not, it's a little daunting to replace a nozzle, right? You have to heat a printer to 400, or, well, not 400. If you could do 400, you heat it to 400. Oh, cool. There, there they are. Hey, Kara, you're going to mail it to me. Hey, I'm going to be probably coming through your guys' area, uh, coming soon in the holidays. Maybe I can just grab it when I'm in your area and then I can like, you know, see the setup and help you guys out for a few minutes. Um, but yeah, the, the, the clients in the chat. I love that. I don't I don't like naming and shaming, but you know, I told you it was going to happen. Um, 
with nozzles, right? So the problem with replacing nozzles is that you have to heat up your printer to do it. As of November 13th, 2021, you still have to heat up your printer to change your nozzle. I know the E3D Revo, of course, we covered that a couple of times on this channel, is looking to solve that problem. But currently, you got to take your hot end. You got to heat it up if it's a uh, non-all-metal hot end to like 250C. Any higher, you risk damaging your Bowden tube um, to take off the nozzle. And you not only have to use a nut driver to do it, you also have to hold the block with a pair of pliers and you got to unscrew it. And then you got to put the new one on while everything is still hot. The reason for this is that metal expands when it's hot. And if you do it when it's cold, the metal will expand as it gets hot and you'll have a problem, right? So th that's a bit of a problem, right? Um, you'll have leaking through the, uh, oh, what a, through the heat break and through the nozzle. It is very, very possible to have that happen. And uh, that's a bit of a trap for young gamers, right? They don't understand and there's no good way to do a video on that. We've tried to film it a couple of times, but I always end up with like the camera angles suck to do. If someone disagrees with my technique, I'm going to get roasted. Uh, and then three, I might actually screw up the nozzle change, right? And unless I have like a month long follow up of did it break or not, there's really no way to confirm whether or not I'm an absolute idiot and did it wrong. Um, yeah, uh, Brock said they find a new nozzle is a longer profile and the BL touch won't reach, right? Some people think you can just swap nozzles and keep printing. No, you'll have to re-level your bed if it's not an auto bed leveling. If it is auto bed leveling, you'll still have to adjust your Z offset, right? Now, there have been plenty of times where I've done it and yeah, didn't have to change a darn thing. But more likely than not, you'll have to adjust it just a little bit. You likely won't get it to the exact same torque spec twice. It's a very, very, very uncommon thing to do. And that's a bit of a bummer, right? And that's why nozzles, to me, it's why I was so excited about the Revo. The Revo removes all of these nozzle problems, but then I remembered that the people that are going to buy the Revo are likely also not buying an Ender. Now, we've got a couple of people in there so saying, oh, I run an S5 all the time, and that's great. You are also not the average user. I know who you are. You're a local guy. I've met you. You're not the average user. You're quite a bit more intelligent than the average user. And the average user is going to look at a Creality hot end, and I'm kind of worried here that they're going to see marketing material for the Revo, and they're going to try to do it on a, you know, Mark 8 Creality style hot end, and they're going to break the hot end. And then that's a whole different bag of chips to deal with too, right? Like, literally, we did a nozzle extraction video where we extracted a nozzle from a block, because the individual that was doing it, instead of loosening it, tightened it. Because you have to think of, I'm looking at it from underneath. So I, instead of going clockwise, right? Because when you're here, turning it this way appears that you are going to loosen it. No. When you're underneath it, that's actually tightening it. So you want to go this way, okay? 
this way. Grant, people listen to you audio only. They don't know. You want to effectively turn clockwise to unscrew the nozzle. And no, the nozzle is not left-hand threaded. But you have to think about how that works. And so many people screw it up. I would never admit on camera to doing this at least once myself. But I also learned that lesson way back in the day when it was a very expensive lesson to learn. Somebody pointed out, and, and I think it's a it's a good point of, of notice here, in a previous in the previous print fail Friday, the one that we just had, um, that nozzles are cheap. Cheap nozzles are cheap. Like a 10-pack of nozzles can be as low as like five bucks, six bucks less, right? And, uh, yeah, that is rough, right? Because when, when you need something fast, where do you go? You go to Amazon, the same place everybody goes. Everybody goes to Amazon. And when you go to Amazon, you may not find legit stuff. Case in point, I'm going to use myself as an example here. This is what's left of a V6, but... For those that know the V6, no, it never came in this color. I bought what was a genuine E3D V6 hot end, or at least it was said that it was a V6. It was not being sold by E3D, but it was 50 bucks instead of the 65. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll say 15 bucks. And it was overnight shipping versus getting it in like two or three days. I'm like, cool. Saving money and getting it faster. Done and done. It was fake. And I didn't know that until months later, right? The return window's gone. It was fake. I don't know if we ever saw problems from that. But Sanjay talks about this. And I don't... There, for, for reference, that entire interview with Sanjay is two and a half hours long. There will be probably four weeks total worth of content on it. So this Wednesday is another Sanjay video. Next Wednesday is another Sanjay video. And the following Wednesday is also another Sanjay video. I think the entire month of November is going to be Sanjay videos um, on Wednesdays. We are going to be releasing content on Mondays. Um, so, like, there's a mutant unboxing. Uh, where is it? This right here. Ah. We got a Wham Bam Mutant, and I'm going to be unboxing that. I, I already unboxed that. I unboxed it weeks ago. Um, but... We haven't had a chance to get the video out, so they're really cool, by the way. And they're also on crazy sale, so, you know, pretty dope. But um, people will end up getting clones, and let's be real, right? The stock Creality Hot End is already pretty rough as it is. And then you look at getting a clone of those rough nozzles, and yeah, no, it's basically still shit, right? You're, and... They don't check their boat and tubes for wear. I so I started back in the day with when we weren't making our own hot ends, like when we were buying them, with Wanhouse, and those started off as uh, non all metal hot ends. Right, bring the mic a little bit closer. Sorry if that hit some things. They started off as all as non all metal hot ends, and a non all metal hot end means that there is a piece of Bowden tube, a piece of PTFE tubing. Mine is still on set. Should have thought of that. Um, that goes all the way to the nozzle, okay? So it butts up against the nozzle, which means it goes into the hot zone of your printer. If you go above 250 degrees centigrade, or you stay at like 240 for a while, you're gonna have a bad time. 
if you don't look at that Bowden tube as well for a potential source of failure, you're going to have a bad time. We used to burn through Bowden tubes. This was back in the day, okay? This was like printers didn't come with thermal runaway back then because it really didn't exist. Well, it did. I don't think a lot of us knew about it, but either way. We would burn through Bowdoin tubes in like three kilos because we were printing really hot, really fast, 24 by 7. Right? This was back, and I'm going to date this for you guys. This is in the fidget spinner craze. Um, everybody ran out of them, right? But because we made them in-house, we could make them whenever we wanted. I still have a box of 608 ball bearings. Uh, the better three quarters is very happy to have those because she wants to get back into rollerblading. So she's going to uh, reduce my 608 uh, count. But that was all that we had to buy. And one of our clients at the time, still a client actually, makes ball bearings. So I'm like, hey, I need 608s and I need lots of them. He said, okay, I'll tool them up for you. And uh, that was like one of the most fun three months I've had in this business because we were quite literally making money hand over fist. But we were constantly changing out those Bowden tubes to a point where we had a machine that we built to cut the Bowden tube to length, right? So you put it in, chopped it down, boom, 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 you're done, right? Life was good. We never really burned through nozzles, but I think a lot of that comes down to having a good first layer. Um, I don't see him commenting, but if you guys don't know who Mad Monkey is, his name is Jordan. He just got a tool changer. He actually won a tool changer from E3D. Recently, one of those tools fell out of its homing position, and it dropped and landed on the aluminum frame of the printer. Not only did it bend the heat break, the heat break is this part right here, it also damaged his nozzle. Now, the average person might have not even checked that nozzle and just replaced the heat break because, ah, it's brass, it's probably fine. No, brass is actually, like, crazy soft. We got in some tungsten nozzles from Creality. They were, like, cheap on Amazon, like, less than $10 cheap on Amazon. I'm going to be doing a video on that where I hit it with a file. We're going to heat it up. There's a video coming on that. I got to film it still, but I've got kind of like the idea in my head of what we want to do there. But even cheap hardened steel and cheap tungsten nozzles are nowhere near as good. And there is, you have to learn about this before you go too deep, right? Because if you just say, oh, my nozzle is dirty. I need a new nozzle. You're replacing nozzles for no reason. Now, if, you're not, if your printer is getting jammed, you should step back and look at, all right, why is it getting jammed? It could be materials. Well, all right, what materials are you running? Are you running carbon fiber? Are you running glow-in-the-dark? Are you running wood fill? Now, wood fill will damage a brass nozzle, but it will take a long time for it to be a problem. Carbon fiber, good carbon fiber, like 150 grams, and you and you destroyed a 0.4 nozzle. There is a part of me that really wants to show you all how bad it gets by just feeding a bunch of carbon fiber through a printer. But then I remember that carbon fiber is really expensive. But, you know, it's a thing. And with nozzles like the Nozzle X and the new Obsidian from E3D, I get that one nozzle is $30, right? 
but it also comes with a lifetime warranty that Sanjay himself, to his best knowledge, has never had somebody actually claim. Now, that's pretty damn good if, if you ask me, right? And I'm not getting paid to say this, although it'd be pretty cool if I was. That you can get one freaking nozzle and it just works. That's amazing. That's what I want. I want one nozzle that just works and never has problems. And the big issue with the Nozzle X is that you have to turn your temps up because hardened steel transmits heat considerably less and slower than brass does if you're having a hard time understanding that process because it is not the easiest to understand look at like the computer market people talk about different thermal compounds and thermal paste and this that and the other thing because they're chasing temperatures the higher thermal conductivity that you have the more heat gets to where it needs to be the heat needs to be in your dang nozzle, not in your heat block. If your nozzle is cold and your heat block is hot, nothing's going to work. Well, it might a little bit, but it's not going to work great, right? The Nozzle X is a great nozzle, but it's hardened steel. The Obsidian is a hardened steel and copper alloy nozzle, which should be pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to that. But materials are another one of those things, right? Are you buying the cheapest bottom of the barrel PLA that you can? Now, I'm not saying that cheap PLA is bad. But you have a much higher chance of getting a crap roll. And I'm grabbing a good spool of, of PLA. You have a much higher chance of getting a crap spool from a company like GST3D, who has still not returned my emails, by the way. Uh, versus a company like Printed Solid. And uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about Printed Solid, you should definitely make sure you get subscribed. Leave a like while you're at it because um, that's all I'm going to give you. We're, we're, we got some cool stuff coming up with Printed Solid. Um, it has nothing to do with the YouTube short that's going out tomorrow. That's just an unboxing. There's a YouTube short going out tomorrow of the unboxing video of their October filament box. Um, but filament really, really, really matters, right? Diameter matters, especially if you're running a Bowden printer, right? Bowden tubes need to push the filament all the way through a long tube, okay? And I incorrectly said it in a video that PTFE is Delrin. It's not. It's Teflon. Uh, and I did crack myself in those comments. Thank you to the person that corrected me. That's why I love the internet. And Teflon doesn't really stretch, okay? So if your filament is not round, and let's say its average cross-section is 1.75, but it will get all the way up to like 2.2. I'm not going to point out any names, but I definitely have a spool that doesn't belong to me that has that problem. And it doesn't go through a Bowden tube cleanly. And when you start looking at things like uh, Capricorn, which Capricorn sent me some Bowden tube. It's not here yet, but I'm really excited for it because I'm going to test out their two sets of Bowden tube against fake Cap tube 
as well as generic Bowden tube. And I'm going to see really what these look like. Take a look at cross sections and all that. Try to get a more cinematic video for you guys. I'm trying to do better uh, on this. <laughs> Kara's asking, is this live all about us? No, it's not. I actually have a spool of GST3D from another client uh, on it for, for the Ender 3 Pro. The Ender 3 Pro video, we used that GST filament. It is oval. Like, it goes from 1.64, you rotate your calipers 90 degrees, it goes to 2.2. Like, that is way, way, way bad. Um, their fill, and, like, again, I want to go tour their facility, because I want to see how it's made, how they can do it so cheap. But cheap filament, it's like, what is your time worth to you, right? And what are you using your printer for? If it's just for, like, personal stuff, and you got one printer, fine. Screw around with cheap filament. You don't care. But if you're doing it for any modicum of business sense, right, go get some Jesse PLA. Go get Brad's Orange Jesse PLA, because a dollar of that spool gets donated to charity, which is pretty cool. Brad is on our team, and Brad's got his own color, which is pretty damn cool. But you can look at, there's a bunch of Atomic back there. There's a bunch of printed solid material back there. We just got in some material from Sparta 3D. Um, I did pay for that. There's a video coming up of the unboxing of that too, so stay tuned. It's a 12 kilo unboxing. It's a big filament haul. Um, we bought that because they have some really, really pretty colors. But um, Material really matters, right? If your material has been sitting in a warehouse with a very bad vacuum seal for a couple of weeks, it's gonna uptake water. And Grant, you always tell us that it's never water. Well, unless it is, right? PLA is somewhat hygroscopic. Hydroscopic means it repels water. Hygroscopic means it absorbs it, I think. Correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. PLA will absorb water. PETG absorbs water. Nylon really absorbs water. PLA gets brittle when it gets wet. That's a very, very, very common thing with PLA. It will get brittle, which is funny because I would think it it's the exact opposite. It would get like flexible and soft, right? Because it's wet. Nope, it gets brittle. Don't ask me why. It's just it's just how it goes. PETG, the clear way to tell when PETG is wet is that previous settings that worked really, really, really well on it, that you weren't getting any stringing, all of a sudden you get stringing. In my opinion, it is easier to grab... Ooh, I even have it handy. It's easier to grab a blowtorch and clean off your parts than it is to not melt your spool in a food dehydrator. We're going to talk about hydroscopic repels water. Right, and hygroscopic, I believe, absorbs it. Yeah, I think. Could be wrong. <laughs> Not okay with being wrong. But if you have known good quality material from known good quality brands, right? Let's name a few. Do any, do I have affiliate codes for any of them? I don't. I technically have one for Prusa. You can use the links in the description for that. Um, Atomic Filament. Printed Solid Jesse PLA or the new Jesse PETG. Prusa Mint. All three of those amazing quality. I have not yet tested Sparta, 
but I have friends that have, they love it. So if you're in Canada, get some Sparta. Oh, I think he's saying hydrophilic. Whatever. Oh, well. Um, I'm being asked if I've tried coax filament. I have not. Um, my So this is like one of those weird things as a business owner. I found the brands I like. It's like the ones I always talk about. Atomic, Jesse from Printed Solid, and Prusament. And that's basically all I buy. Other than like the random ass kilos that we buy of... Um, what is this? Who is this? This is K-Y-U-U-B-I. I don't know who the hell this is. It's a uh, silk rainbow. This is used, we use them for time lapses, right? This is one of the new brands we're trying out because the spools are 100% recyclable, right? So silk filaments I'm normally buying from like, you know, generic no-name Amazon sellers. Um, but, you know, that's the way it goes. Good quality filament means less problems. And if you're running a business doing this right that extra cash going into this is not that big of a freaking deal you might say but grant that's gonna cut into my margins raise your prices not nope. raise your prices if you are worried about a slight like doubling your your material cost like a ten dollar kilo going to 20 you're probably not selling your stuff for enough money and like th that is that is literally an entire I could do an entire episode on why you're not charging enough. Um, and I say that as someone that is I am turning down more work now um, because I'm like I'm really am I'm refusing to work for like, you know, ten dollars an hour. That's ridiculous. The printers can work for ten dollars an hour, but, you know, yeah, experience matters. Anyways, utilizing good quality materials means you're going to go further and further between failures. Uh, I actually had a failure. I'm going to include this in the next print fail Friday. Um, let's see. Let me pull up OBS so I can see the camera here. I don't know if you guys will be able to see it. Oh, yeah, she'll she'll get in. Let me let me pull off the base of that. You see that jam? I had a, a jam, a very obvious jam. Um, it also messed up the uh, the bottom layer. Why? I have no clue. It cleared itself and the rest of the print printed fine. This is for a personal project I'm working on. Uh, very, very secretive because this is going to be a retail product. Just keep your eyes out. 3DM, we're going to be making a retail product and it's going to be surrounding one of my favorite sayings on this channel. Um but that that is a uh, it's a box right and it failed well i was using cheap generic silk rainbow pla filament right they're literally throwing tons of different colors into this filament you have every reason to believe that they could be like that master batch colorant could be made out of a material that for some reason wasn't happy the mark 3s pushed right through it oh also i don't is my does my camera pick it up no uh, we moved the camera for time lapses, so that might be cool. Although the first time lapse we did with it, it fell. Not like in the, oh my god, it fell, fell, but it, like, it moved during the time lapse. It might look really cool. So you'll see, I think that is gonna be Tuesdays. It might be Tuesdays, it might be Thursdays. I don't know where we're at with time lapses. I just print stuff. But high quality materials really, really, really matter. And understand that, by and large, 
the extruder that comes with your machine is likely just fine. The stock Creality ones that are all plastic, you can get, um, I have them handy because I was going to use them, all metal upgrades for really, really cheap, like less than 10 bucks. Great stocking stuffers for the uh, 3D printer person in your life for whatever holidays you do so celebrate. We are going to do a holiday video, so uh, that is going to be coming up where I have I am hoping to have like a pile of printers on a table. I don't know yet how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to put a bunch of printers on a table. We're going to figure it out. It's going to be a cool video. But like oftentimes those extruders are totally fine. If you want to upgrade it with like a dual drive, all metal, fine. But understand you're probably not going to get a lot better performance out of it. It's just going to last longer, which is fine, right? Lasting longer is... uh. Pretty great, gentlemen. See, this is great. There are no editors to cut out my crap jokes, so you all just have to put up with it. Or I guess you can leave. Don't leave. This is fun. We're having fun. Uh, there's no editors to edit out my crap jokes. Um, but yeah, it, realistically, those all-metal extruders are not doing you a whole lot of good. You can spend more money by putting in an all-metal hot end, which will, like, totally make your life better. Totally, totally make your life better. And understand that sometimes the Bowden tubes that printers come with suck, right? I know some Creality printers are now actually coming with. <laughs> Proxy says bye. See you later. Uh, leave a like on your way out. Um... Some printers come with crap Bowden tube, and I have a lot of crap Bowden tube because crap Bowden tube is great for reverse Bowden setups where it's not actually a Bowden tube. A reverse Bowden setup is where you have a Bowden tube, but it runs to the inlet of your extruder and then all the way back to where your filament is located. You are not pushing a rope through it. You're just constraining where the filament can go. It's great for that because who the hell cares? It doesn't matter there. It matters on the aft end or the backside of the extruder going to your hot end. Good quality Bowden tube makes a hell of a lot of difference. And I'm going to prove it. I'm going to prove it by changing out. Well, I'm going to prove it by slicing tubing open and showing you all the differences. Um, but we're also going to prove it by actually printing identical settings, the exact same printer, the exact same length of Bowden tube. The only change is going to be the Bowden tube. And I, I don't even have the cap tube, and I know it's better because its tolerances are better. It is so friggin' cheap. It's like $12 for a two meter kit or $20 for a two meter kit. Two meters of Bowden tube is enough to do like three printers, probably more if you've got smaller machines. But if you're going to replace that Bowden tube, maybe look at going to a direct drive setup now on a Ender style printer that has only one lead screw. Don't do that. You are going to get sag. Okay, because you're adding an, a stepper motor plus your extruder, all that right onto the moving axes of the printer, okay? You're going to have sag. 
So don't, if you do it, make sure you have a dual Z axis so it has two lead screws. Because otherwise you're really unsupported on the side without the lead screw and it can lead to problems, right? So be careful there too. Do you need to do a direct drive upgrade? No. Is it my preference? Yes, they're way easier too. But oftentimes, again, your extruder is just fine. Your Bowden tube, you can try to upgrade them. They're really cheap and they're really easy to do. Highly recommend getting it. Um, that cap tube video is probably, probably in December, I'm thinking. Uh, maybe like the first week of December, we'll do that. But then we get into, because let's be real here, right? All the great hardware in the world can't help you if your printer is not tuned worth a damn, right? So let's look at tuning. First off, always PID tune. Something that the Taz 6 had back in the day was it was using bang bang versus PID. Bang bang is on or off. PID can sit at some reasonable state in between. So bang bang says heat cool. Heat cool. PID's like bah! up and down. He cool, he cool, he cool, he cool. So it can effectively maintain something that's like 50%, 60%, 80%, 90%, rather than 100% or zero. Oh, thank you. Share it up, uh, thumbs up, share it on Twitter. Have a super day. We'll see you later, Heather Johnson. Thanks for your support. This is a thing though, right? Tuning, tuning can throw you off. We chased the demon of Bang Bang for months, like to the point where I warranted my entire printer. We couldn't figure it out. Lulzbot support couldn't figure it out. They had me send it back. I got the new one, the exact same problem. Eventually, we found, along with a couple of other users, that Lulzbot TAS 6s were flashed with bang bang instead of PID. Well, we talked about this earlier, that when things get hot, they expand. So what was happening was as the bed was turning on, it was warping up. And then as it was turning off, it was coming back down, up and down and up and down and up and down. Whereas PID will move a little bit, but because it can fluctuate that movement, or it can fluctuate its on-off cycles, you're going to get less problems that way. Chris Polk says, setting aside mechanical design, what are the little things that make a Prusa more reliable than the Sea of Ender clone? Sensor software tuning tolerances. Yeah, you actually hit all of those. You asked, you put a question mark at the end of that, but that's actually all that it is. Let's be real here. The Mark 3S is a, an A8 is a copy of a Mark 3S, but just made as cheaply as possible. Personally, I don't like the X-axis on these machines. There's not enough movement to tension the extruder carriage and the entire belt tensioning system to me sucks. I don't like it. But when you have a Pinda sensor, uh, the Pinda sensor is its automatic bed leveling probe. You've got a E3D V6. You've got a knock to a fan cooling that E3D V6. My entire computer, like every single fan in my computer is knock to a because they are dead effing quiet. 
They move a ton of air. They make very little noise and they're worth it. And on top of that, Prusa puts in the time. I don't know how much ever went into that first Ender 3 that Creality made. I've always had this thought that Creality put that machine out there expecting something, but they didn't expect it to blow up the way that it did. Now, their price point, it was going to blow up. It was pretty clear. I avoided them because it just felt like a beta test, right? And they just kept releasing new versions and new... How many freaking versions of an Ender 3 exist out there that are sold or have been sold by Creality? Closest one to the pin, I'll send you a $10 Amazon gift card because I don't even know the damn answer. It's gotta be something like 10 because they keep iterating and there's nothing wrong with iterating, but you're effectively buying a printer to add upgrades to it. You post pictures online, Creality sees it, they make those upgrades and well, you know, they sell it for cheap. I also believe that quality components, right? They use real Masumi rods and bearings, okay, versus smooth wheel, uh, the V-wheels. I hate V-wheels. I hate, 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 hate V-wheels. That Ender 3 Pro that came to us was honestly perfectly fine. Uh, well, okay, the extruder was a little bit chewy. But all the V-wheels were loose. Had those V-wheels been tightened, a lot of the issues on that printer would have disappeared. And they did. They disappeared as soon as I tightened those V-wheels. You have to constantly do that. Like, I would say every kilo, you should take your printer off, retighten those, and if you're even a little bit too tight, those wheels wear quite a bit. And if you're too loose, you introduce too much backlash. Now, I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that the Masumi rods and bearings on a Prusa are great. One of ours is dying. Uh, the bearing was not installed properly, my fault, and it's worn a flat onto the rod. Now, you don't see it in prints, but you hear it. Like, you can you can hear it. You can audibly hear it when it's running. Um, it's the signed Prusa, which is kind of funny. It, 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 it yeah, my fault. Um, now, they're easy to replace, right? It takes about 20 minutes to replace a set of rods and bearings. But, like, grease matters okay i tell you to oil your bearings when you're doing maintenance because the oil will wick past the wipers and that's better than nothing what you should do is completely tear apart your printer and repack your bearings but nobody's going to do that so when we made our maintenance video we did it for the average human not you know the power user right i'll tear down the printers and i'll regrease them that's no big deal the average user is not going to do that. That's why we did it the way that we did. Uh, Broxley says that they've spent about as much time upgrading their a Anet A8 as I would have done to buy a Prusa original. I have, however, been forced to learn fast. And that is one of the big benefits of buying a cheap printer. You're going to run into problems and you're going to learn how to deal with them. It's why I tell people, buy a kit. Buy a Prusa kit. They're like $800 delivered to your door basically anywhere in the world right? And they come with a kilo of material that you can print with. Do it. You will learn intimately how those printers work. And I, we didn't have a channel back then when we did this, but the better three quarters, Miss Amber, um, she assembled one of our Prusas. She assembled the one with the red spool behind me. Uh, it's our, it looks white, but I'm pretty sure it looks white, but I'm pretty sure it's a marble color. 
Uh, they all have different accent colors. Uh, it allows us to tell them apart. And we reprint a lot of the parts that Prusa prints because they are the ones that we print are easier to assemble. Uh, they don't add anything to the printer that the stock parts don't, but they just make it easier on you when you're assembling faster. But the cheap kits force you to learn, right? And I tell people, it's not just about the money you spend in those upgrades, right? A cheap all-metal hot end is going to be 30 bucks. A, a cap tube is going to be 15 bucks. A good dual-drive extruder is going to be 20 bucks, right? Uh, a flex plate from Wham Bam is going to be 50 bucks, 60 bucks, something like that. You're going to spend less than a Prusa. But you're going to end up spending more of your time. Which is where way more of this becomes a problem. Right. The software is where I think Prusa really wins. And software being not just Prusa Slicer, which of course you can use on any printer, but it's the machine software. Right? That that calibration wizard is bloody amazing. It walks you through the whole damn process. It finds points on the bed. It can even tell you how out of square the printer is. And if it's beyond a certain amount, it won't compensate. And it'll say, hey, idiot, you screwed up. Go fix it. Here's what's wrong. I like that. I like that they're, um, when you calibrate your first layer and you set your Z offset, you can save different profiles for different sheets. Previously, we used to write on the shelving above or below the printer what the offset was for the plate that was on it. So that if we did change the plate, we could make sure that we save the offset. Because, you know, you couldn't save it to the printer, you had to write it on a shelf. And so when they added that, I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing! Like, it was one of those, why hasn't anybody done this before? That's a big difference between what Creality does and what Prusa does. Now, there are some Creality firmwares that do that, but Prusa just does it straight up. Chris Polk asks, why doesn't Prusa sell a kit without printed parts? The price wouldn't be too much higher than the Tech kits that don't have the printed parts anyways. It's because Prusa wants people to have a good printing experience from day one. Um, I'm not ready to talk about this yet, but I received some printed parts and uh more than half of them are crap like there i mean when i say crap i mean if i sold them to people we'd have problems parts are warped beds are clearly not level there are extrusion issues steps per millimeter issues. there's a lot of issues on these parts now we may never make a video about this i'm still going through it and deciding if i want to do any content with it but um that stuff matters. And if you print parts for a good printer on a cheap printer, you've just made a good printer crap. Right? And unless you've got another 3D printer, supplying a printer without printed parts does you literally no good. Um, yes, Prusa would be able to save on their shipping costs and everything. But I wouldn't. I would buy it with the printed parts. Prusa's going to print them cheaper than I would. So... Why? I do wish you could do certain upgrades to it from Prusa, but we buy the kits 
so that we can do those upgrades as we're building them. And it's also a phenomenal learning experience for anybody that's new to the company that wants to learn, right? Um, so I think I covered that. Yeah, pretty sure I kind of covered all that. Oh, um, tuning intolerances. Yep, those are all just kind of covered in there too. Making sure that, let's say you change out your hot end, right? Let's say you go from a... I'm going to go real crazy from a Creality hot end to a Revo. You might just plug in that Revo and send it. That Revo is going to have a real tough time because it's PID settings are it set. I believe it's M505. And then there's a space and S, the temperature, and then a space and a C, which is how many times you do it. That's how you can set your PID tuning. You send the command to the printer to set it. M500, I believe, to save it. Anytime, even when you change nozzles, I recommend you redo your PID. It's not going to change. It shouldn't change a lot, but it might change a little bit. If you're using genuine nozzles, like let's say you go from a brass V6 nozzle to a nozzle X, absolutely rerun your PID. But if you go from a nozzle X to a nozzle X, you're probably all right. Now, if you're going from a genuine nozzle to a cheap nozzle or a cheap nozzle to a genuine nozzle, run that PID because it, it really will matter quite a bit. Let me get a little bit of water here. See, when I have guests, I can take a drink while they're talking. It makes it a lot easier. I don't have to, like, break my stride. Uh... But I kind of like these because um, these are more like intimate one-on-one -on -one with the business owner and the content creator. God, I hate that I'm using the fact that I'm a content creator now. It's like, it's like using the word influencer. It's kind of dirty, but not in a good way. <laughs> um, you also want to make sure that when you're maintaining your printer, that you're doing it accurately, right? Don't use a graphite lubricant on ball bearings. Don't use a nail uh, a nail set to put ball bearings into something. And I'm saying that because the printed parts that I received, someone clearly used a uh, either a hammer or a nail set to insert ball bearings into something and damage the ball bearings to where they are crunchy. They're 608, so I'll just pop them out and put new ones in, but it's just one of those deals. It's like, all right, you could have taken 10 seconds to do it right, but you didn't. Um, but yeah, making sure that you use the right tools, right? A nail set or a hammer is not the right tool to insert a ball bearing. You want to use a clamp or a vice to slowly push in, or preferably a press to press it in, but not everyone has those. I don't. I use a vice uh, and a printed part that kind of fits around the bearing to evenly apply pressure. But lubricants are a big deal, right? Everybody jokes, ah, you lubing your printer up, ah, you lubing up for a good night. No, look. I joke that if my car's leaking oil, it still has oil, right? Because I have a 19-year-old car and it leaks a little oil. There's really nothing you can do about that, right? It's going to cost me like $600 to fix the oil leak. 
Instead, I put a catch pan underneath the car because I park in the exact same spot every single day. I catch the oil and I dispose of it properly. And then I just add another quart of oil once every three or four months. Dob says, hammer is the tool for everything. You're not technically wrong, but you got to know how to swing that hammer, right? It's a hammer is a phenomenal tool, but it's the tool, the 200 pound gorilla running that hammer. That's the problem, in my opinion. If you end up using the wrong tools, you're going to damage things. And no warranty is going to cover, oh, I used graphite lubricant in a ball bearing. That's not going to work. You got to use either a grease, a molly, whatever it is. Um, that That's common, right? Prusa recommends Super Lube. Prusa even includes their own little tube of lubricant. And I always laugh. It's Prusa's lube, um, you know, because I'm a child on the inside and that's all right. And uh, I have never used it because from the factory, Misumi sends the stuff greased. Now, would I be better off if I repacked it? Probably. But if all you're going to do is add more grease and not take out the old grease, you're doing it wrong anyways. V-wheels have the benefit of never needing grease, right? They have ball bearings, but they're sealed, so they don't need grease. But they wear. Now they're cheap as chips, and so are generic LM8 UUs. That's what the Prusas use. An 8mm rod is dirt cheap as well. All of this is cheap. But, again, do you want to buy a cheap part that is effectively controlling the motion system for your machine? I don't know about you, but I sure as hell don't. I don't want to buy a really, really cheap, um, you know, set of bearings and rods because then I'm putting cheap shit into a good printer. So think about that, right? Just because it's the cheapest on Amazon doesn't mean it's good. Um, I'm doing a project right now where I need to thermally adhere something to something else. I bought six different types of thermal paste, thermal glue, so that I can permanently affix things and I can test their thermal conductivity. Because I don't know what's the best. And, uh, is it Technology Connections? There's a YouTube channel that just made their own thermal compound and it was pretty damn cool. We want to do a 3D printing for dummies series. I've always been worried that it's going to come off as like me being uh, pandering, right? Like, oh, the experts over here being a big dick to everybody. And like, that's just not cool. That's just kind of mean. Uh, and that's why we that's why we do the print fail Friday. It's my way of like a, uh, you know, 3D printing for dummies. But it's like 3D printing for specific dummies on the internet. So I don't know. Uh, we did have a fan submission, so this next Friday is going to have the first fan submission, which is pretty darn cool. I'm excited for that. Uh, but yeah, your, your tuning, right? Hell, acceleration, jerk, all of that stuff. I mean, 
not even if you end up using the wrong um what am i trying to say here uh hmm give me a second i'm losing it let me get let me get some water let me see if it comes to me It's not, so we're just going to keep going. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to get more nitty-gritty on those Print Fail Fridays, but there is, like, some level of where you can only go so much, and that's it. Ultimately, though, I believe that... Oh, I was talking about Acceleration Jerk and all that. Cool, Grant, we're where we need to be. Steps per millimeter. Let's talk about steps per millimeter. I was chasing a bit of a dragon on that Ender 3 Pro because I'm like, it's over extruding. But I turn it down to like 85%. It's still over extruding. It's steps per millimeter were way wrong. We had an Ender 5 that I actually worked on a live stream. We got some super chats in that live stream, which is pretty cool. Uh, I, I, I do dig it when people kick us a couple of bucks on a live stream. Makes it feel like it's worth my time. Um... I mean, they all are, but the ones where I get paid are definitely more worth it to me. Uh, but that one, it's extruder steps per millimeter were like 190, something crazy high, when it should have been like 95. Uh, and so it was double, like double or triple the extrusion that it should have been. And there is no amount of tuning that you could have done to that to fix it other than setting your steps per millimeter. In that Ender 3 Pro video, we did go through it. Um, yeah, <laughs> Viper GTSR remembers that stream. I remember that stream too. That's when Grant thought it was a good idea to do a live stream in his garage in the summer in Florida. Oh God. What a, oh, it was 410. It should have been like 95. Yeah. Yeah. That was a mistake. I'm hoping by next summer I can have some sort of air conditioning in that garage so I can do more live streams. Uh, but now that it's winter time, uh, I can, I can, although I say it's winter time, it's 22 C outside right now or 71 degrees, uh, for you Yanks. So it is still pretty, pretty hot. Um, especially in a garage, right? Cause it's going to have the heat from the roof. But anyways, steps per millimeter matter a lot, right? If your printer is set a little bit too low, you're going to end up having parts that are too small. If it's set too high, the parts going to be too big. You want it to be just right. Kristoff45 says Swamp Cooler for the win. I do have one of those. The problem with Swamp Coolers is that if it's already stupid high ambient moisture in Florida, they don't really work all that well. <laughs> swamp Coolers work by adding humidity to the air. They only work well when you have extra humidity to add to the air. Uh, during the winter, I use it as a fan. But during the summer, we fill it with ice. And the ice melts within 10 minutes. Uh, but we're going to work on that. We're going to look at putting like a window unit or something in just so I can like... If I can keep it at like 75 or 85 degrees, I'd be happy. It's like some days when we're filming, it's like 95 or 100 degrees in there. Anyways. Your steps per millimeter really and truly matter here. Especially on that extruder. And before you do it, don't just go and change your extrusion multiplier. Stop it. Stop. Get your steps per millimeter set accurately before you start screwing with your extrusion multiplier. And yes, materials like PETG have more die swell than something like PLA. Die swell is where when you extrude it, it expands a little bit. 
right? That's common. It's It happens a ton on silk filaments. It's actually why they have very, very poor interlayer bonding. It's a problem on silk filaments. If you don't have your steps per millimeter set correctly, adjusting your extrusion multiplier does you no damn good. And there are people who say, oh, just change your extrusion multiplier. No, stop it. Set your steps per millimeter. We went over how to do this in the Ender 3 Pro video. There are better ways to do it. There's a way to do it with like a calculator and all that. I don't do that because that, that didn't exist when I first learned. I do it by hand. 100 millimeters, make a mark. Extrude 100 millimeters. Did it go into the extruder or is it on the outside? If it's in, lower it. If it's on the outside, raise it until it's right at the edge of the extruder and you'll get it. If you're plus or minus a step or two, you're likely not going to notice a big difference. You will deal with effective, um, effective tolerances on 3D printers are, I believe, about one quarter your nozzle diameter. Anything smaller than that, you're just not going to get the feature detail, right? So that's a thing. We say to oil your, your bearings, oil your bearings, set your steps per millimeter. All of that stuff really matters. Um... Did someone just... Oh, hey, Nadav, thanks for the dollar super chat. I appreciate it. Uh, got a dollar. That's right. I'll take it. Last but not least, hot ends. Um, and I could talk about hot ends for hours, so I'm not going to. You're welcome. <laughs> you get pay. I appreciate the dollar. Thanks. Hey, look. Any, any little tips and just the tips help us out, too. Uh, the big tree LCD controller have great step configuration too. I agree. Um, there are a lot of great controllers out there that have phenomenal ability for you to set this stuff. And normally, even in Marlin, like stock Marlin, you don't need to send all of this via a computer. You can do it inside of the actual control wheel. That's how I did it on that Ender 3 Pro. You can do it on Prusa's. You can do it on the Lulzbot. I can do it on RepRap firmware as well. This is all very, very common. But if, you're, if your hot end sucks, like, think about it, right? Start with the easiest thing. Start with nozzles, right? Verify your tuning is correct as soon as you replace your nozzle. Is your printer still having problems? Check your Bowden tube. If your Bowden tube is fine, check your extruder. Is your extruder fine? Then look at your hot end. Hot ends are complicated. There are a lot of options out there. Fatus is famous uh, for making knockoffs of basically everybody. They are loved by the Voron community. Still don't know why. I'm an E3D guy. Uh, always like their hot ends. There's Micro Swiss that exists for all metal creality conversions. Uh, I've used Micro Swiss hot ends on our Wanhao printers when we had them. Wanhao is not a good company. I cannot recommend them. Um, but I can recommend Creality. They're, well, to an extent, right? Creality is a great second printer when you have something that works. Uh, hot ends, though, can really make or break that experience. If your hot end is shit, you're going to have a shit time. You don't need all metal to be happy, but you're going to have a better time because you're, you're going to be dealing less with burned Bowden tube with Bowden tube breaking down, you're not going to deal with it at all because it doesn't go into the hot side of your damn hot end, right? 
Microsoft makes a great all metal hot end. It's a great drop in Creality all metal hot end. And we plan to get one to put on our mutant on an Ender 3 so we can compare a all metal to a non all metal, the exact same printer. We're going to use the mutant plate as means to change things over. I'm actually really excited for the mutant because it lets us do a lot of really cool testing. Um, and it's great if you want to swap out tool heads. A mutant is actually really great for nozzle changes. So you just buy a bunch of cheap Creality hot ends and you put a 0.4, a 0.6, a 0.8 on them and you just swap out the entire plate. I'm going to, it's, these are future videos. These are future videos that I'm excited to film. But I believe an E3D V6 is like the proper upgrade that most people probably should be doing and eventually a Revo. There is, or, you know, you can do a slice. Slice makes great hot ends too. Uh, the Mosquito is great. The Copperhead is great. I've used both. Um, love them both. They're great hot ends. And Dan and I are good friends. Uh, I want to go tour slice engineering. As soon as I can uh, drive that far, we're going to take a trip to Gainesville and go see them. Uh, so I can tour their factory. Because that'd be a cool video to go to uh, slice engineering and tour the factory. Um but there are a lot of great hot end companies out there. If you are looking to make a hot end upgrade, buy a legit one. Whether it's an E3D V6, whether it's a Copperhead, whether it's something out of Thetis, um, th there's a lot of options there. Chris Polk says, how much weight does the mutant add? Would it be a problem with a cantilever like a mini? You know, it's a great question. And because I don't know, let's pull out the parts. You guys are getting a, 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 an uphead unboxing here. Um, this is your main plate. This thing slides on. There you go. That's your mutant. Um, it's actually pretty heavy. I've got a scale below me. Let me see if I can... Uh, change its values for you. Give me just a second here. All right. It's 114 grams. Um, it adds 114 grams worth of weight. So there you go. I don't think that's a ton. I mean, that is, um, ah, damn it. I keep dropping it. Ah, bad back. Back hurts. Uh, so about 114 grams. Um, I will say my scale is accurate to within four grams as a shipping scale. So like, it's not great. So call it 110 grams or 120 if you want. It does add weight. Um, I don't think I would put this on a Prusa Mini just because it's so big. Uh, it's going to add a lot of bulk. It's more of the bulk that it adds. And yes, you will lose printable space with something like a Mutant. Um but how often are you printing to the end of your hot end and all that, right? Like, or end of your, your printer plate. Hey, Duff, how you doing? Thanks for coming later. Otherwise, I appreciate it. Uh, if you are a power user and you're switching nozzles a lot, one, wait for a Revo. But if you can't wait for a Revo, get yourself a Mutant. I, I think, of course, clearly I haven't used it, but... It's build quality is really freaking good. Um, you know, I, I, I can't hate on it, right? I can hate on a lot of things. It's easy for me to hate on things. 
Uh, I, I actually do that quite well. <laughs> um, but these are built really well. I'm surprised they're not 3D printed. They're actually fully injection molded, which is kind of cool. And a lot of money goes into injection molds for those that don't know. But do understand that like putting an E3D V6 on an Anet A8 does not make that a better printer. It just makes it a Anet A8 with a hot end that costs about as much as the printer does. So understand, right? Make sure your, your printer comes with thermal runaway. And if it doesn't, do that. Do that first. Then look at doing the upgrade. In my opinion, do what you're most comfortable with, right? A new hot end on a printer without an all-metal hot end is going to be a staggering change. You'll be able to print faster, print more reliably, print hotter, right? So with non-all-metal hot ends, you can't print... Well, okay. You shouldn't print in nylon. It is not safe to print in nylon. It's not safe to print polycarb. It's barely safe to print PETG and ABS. If you want to do that, it's time to make that upgrade. But I also believe if you're looking to use high-end materials like PE, uh, like not PETG, like polycarbonate, like ABS, because uh, ABS to me is more of a high-end material because it's a pain in the ass to work with, nylon and some of those others, don't buy an Ender 3 wanting to put it with carbon fiber nylon. I've literally had someone say, can my Ender 3 print an Ultem? No, it cannot. Don't be an idiot, please. Ultem requires like nozzle temps around 400C. So yeah, and chamber temperatures of like 120C and bed temps around the 210 range. So very, 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 very hot. And most consumer grade 3D printers will not reach those temperatures. They will be firmware locked to not reach those temperatures. Let me get another drink of water here. All right. So let's talk about the hot ends, right? You can continue buying cheap, Creality hot ends, right? And they'll work. You're just going to be replacing them more often. Now, uh, part of me says, like, eventually you're going to spend a lot of time. But for a long time, we did not transition over to all metal because we were kind of afraid of the work that it would take to get there. But this was also back when, uh, like, Micro Swiss was literally your only option. So it's like, all right, you're new to the game. I don't know who you are. And eventually we figured out, right? We figured out they knew what they were doing. Um, You know, so yeah, I don't know. The cost is high, right? You're looking at like 65 bucks for a $280 full price Ender 3 V2. And like I do sit here and I recognize that that's a that's a hard pill to swallow. But if you do want to get serious with this industry, I think it is kind of one of those necessity things, right? Investing in an E3D hot end, especially when the Revo comes out, personally, I believe will never do you wrong. And you'll never have to replace it 
unless you, you know, screw up the nozzle. Nadav asks if his Voron can print peak, potentially, actually, uh, if you have a thermocouple on the hot end and you have a bed capable of north of 110 degrees centigrade and uh, you put it in a box or something to keep um, the uh, ambient temp high, yeah, it, it actually could. Uh, is it going to print peak reliably? No. Um, a printer with a heated enclosure is going to do that. Um, and yeah, if that's something you want to do, keep an eye out. Um, yeah, we're working on stuff here. And I think you might like that. What about a slice engineering heat break on a stock reality hot end? much is a is a slice engineering heat break because i have a feeling those are quite expensive uh oh the copperhead heat break i don't know let me see here so hot ends we have parts I, I mean, Chris, I can't like, I can't recommend you put something. Uh, he said, slice engineering Honda on stock Creality extruder. So let's go with Ender 3v2. Um, I am a professional. I don't even see that option here. Hobbyist. Oh, okay. He's saying a copperhead hot end um, that I think can fit in a stock reality heat sink. Um, that's $56. Why would you do that over just putting in a, uh, an E3DV6? Like, look, I love Slice and what they do. I think they've got some really, really awesome stuff. Oh, it's just a heat break. No. Uh, I can't recommend you do that. Um, I do not believe the heat sinks on Creality printers are good enough to handle higher temperatures. I, I just don't. They're not built with the manufacturing tolerance. It's it's like it'd be like me putting wheels from a Rolls Royce on my 19 year old Honda. Will it work? As long as the bolt pattern's the same, yes. Do I want to put $40,000 worth of wheels and tires on a car that even in this market is only worth a couple of grand? No, that's stupid. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to get a whole new car. Right? So why don't you just get the good hot end from the start? Um, I don't know. The Copperhead is cool oh mosquito for creality there's a thing here huh yeah, i don't know i what i do know is i can't recommend it i know that i can't recommend it because it's not something that i've heard enough about i might have to reach out the slice and see if we can get one to screw around with But yeah, I, uh, 
I don't know. I can't recommend that. If you're going to add something to your hot end other than a nozzle, just replace it. If it's not an all-metal hot end from a reputable manufacturer. And if you use the geometric shape company from AliExpress, and I'm not going to give them airtime. But if you use the geometric shaped company from AliExpress, everybody who's looked up clone hot ends knows who they are. then you're not supporting this this industry in this market. Buy from the original equipment manufacturer. Don't go to AliExpress. Buy from E3D. You can buy E3D on Amazon. You can buy Slice. I think you can buy Slice on Amazon, but you can buy it on their website. You know, buy from uh, Micro Swiss. Hot ends will make or break your experience. And if you try to cobble together some BS example of... Oh, well, I'm just replacing the one thing on it that sucks. You're probably going to have a bad time. Your printer can do well. There he is. There's Mad Monkey Makes hanging out. E3D is amazing. But you're also kind of like paid to say that. <laughs> now the tool changer. Um, Monkey, I made some great jokes at your expense earlier. You missed out. You'll have to go back and listen to the whole damn thing now. Uh... But yes, E3D is amazing. I highly recommend if you are looking at doing a hot end upgrade that we wait till more people get their hands on the Revo, the final Revo, before you make that decision. Oh, hey, Nando. I think Wexter's Discord just realized I was in a live stream. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, I am glad that you are happy to be of service. And I, and I think I should give a shout out because... Uh, Mad Monkey, who apparently has time and could have come on this podcast, uh, because he couldn't come on this podcast, helped me come up with the topic for today, as well as the talking points. So want to give a big shout out to Mad Monkey. Go give him the credit he deserves. Follow him on Twitter and tweet weird things at him. Um, were they great though? I think they were all right, Bob. I, I think his ideas were pretty good. Um, Oh, you just came back from a brunch photo shoot. Ooh, fancy. I, uh, what did I do this? Oh, I went to a garage sale this morning. It was pleasant. I, I, I bought, I bought Amber stuff for cosplays. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hot ends really, really matter. I would wait until E3D officially launches the Revo or more reviewers get them in hand. I think that that is a pretty big thing i i love e3d i love what they do but this is such a new hot end that even i would be hesitant to buy it until somebody that i know and i trust reviews it hopefully that guy can be me i know and i can trust my i can trust myself sometimes the only place i cannot trust myself is in the dessert aisle of a grocery store that's the only place I can't trust myself. Otherwise, pretty trustworthy, but just not near the ice cream. Definitely not trustworthy there. Sanjay is really good at selling the Revo. And hilariously, I didn't know they were going to be going on a full media tour, but I'm really glad that they did because we get to see other content creators and other people getting to ask different questions. Because I'm sure there are questions that we missed. And I'm glad that other people are getting to talk to him too. And he's also a, so much fun to talk to. Like that was truly one of the highlights of my year talking to Sanjay. And like, look, 
I don't have a Revo. I've never had a Revo. I'm going to get one eventually. Hopefully, I don't have to pay for it, but I probably will. That's all right. It's no big deal. But I do, what I do care about is making sure that thing works. Like, there's part of me that says, don't count your chickens before they hatch with that hot end. Because ultimately, right, it's you're effectively like pre-ordering it. You can't buy it, but you're waiting for it. So it's, it's effectively like a pre-order. But if this hot end isn't perfect, E3D, and if it's not minimally better than the V6, E3D is going to lose a lot of credibility. So in my heart, I don't believe that it is. Uh, someone said, I'm really hoping that printed heating circuit tech is a proper kick ass as my brain parts think it could be. Are you thinking like a uh, printed heater circuit boards? Um, cause that's the thing. Like that's totally a thing. And like, I guess let's talk about specialty filaments real quick. Cause we did get a question about like conductive filament. Um, it was an email question about conductive filament and they're like, yeah, could we make circuits out of this? I mean, if you can deal with crazy high resistance, you can. And if you do want to play with like esoteric filaments, use an all metal hot end with a hardened nozzle, preferably a nozzle X, preferably on a V6 or a Revo, because those are known good working things. I can't guarantee how a Microsoft is going to perform because I haven't used them in so long. I assume they're good. They're still around. But, like, every printer on the shelf behind me, every single printer, including the ones you can't see, run E3D hot ends. Why? Because they just work. And there is so much to be said about that. Buy good hot ends. Don't buy cheap shit, right? I want you guys to have a good printing experience. I would love to do like a 3D printer for dummies series, but I'm really worried about like people thinking I'm being a dick or I'm pandering. And so I was like, the print fail Friday is like my in-between. Um, Bad Juju B says the hot end of the Revo is effectively a 3D printed circuit. Correct. At least from its geometry, I thought. No, it is not. The... Thermistor is printed, but the heater is a ceramic heater. It's a, it, 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 it it's, it's a ceramic heater. Um, I, I think in episode two, we, we learn about that thermistor, but we did talk about it. We talked about how the thermistor works in the Revo versus the V6 in the, in like the talk at some point where no clue, but I know we talked about it. The talk with Sanjay happened at like early October. Maybe it was mid October. Maybe it was a Midsummer Night's October Land. I don't know. This is my life. All right. Anyways, um, printed circuit tech is cool. It will eventually become more mainstream as uh, supply chains. If supply chains don't fix themselves here pretty soon, I think we're going to see a big push for printed circuitry coming up. But that doesn't really apply to the average hobbyist or hobby user. We're looking at like a $65 hot end on a uh, $280 3D printer. And that is a much bigger difference, right? 
I believe... I believe if you're going to take this hobby seriously, and, or you want to make it a business, right? Because you can do that too. There's nothing wrong with that. I believe that it is best if you start with good hardware from the beginning. How to get your printers from zero to hero? You got to go through that upgrade path. Oh, I totally missed heat. I totally missed the flex beds. Get a freaking PEI flex bed. Wham Bam makes some. There's other companies out there that make them. Pick your poison. I don't care. I want to do a video coming up about um, the flex beds and kind of comparing them all to each other. Um, but flex beds really make that whole experience better. Whew, excuse me. I'm on like two and a half hours of sleep. Uh, the flex plates make everything better. The auto bed leveling makes everything better. Um... So th there's a lot to it, but a flex plate is not going to make you print. Your prints will not be better because of a flex plate. They will be easier because of a flex plate, but they won't look any better, generally speaking, because of a flex plate. Your prints may not look any better with an auto bed leveling probe. They might, because you might not be able to level a bed to save your life. Although leveling is wrong, it should be tram. We should use the word tram, not level. That's okay. Um, everyone says level, so we just go with it. So there are other upgrades you can do. But I think the big ones here, right? Look at going to a better nozzle. And if you're going to do that, make sure you do it correctly, right? Heat the printer up. Twist it off. Make sure that your socket and nut driver is in reverse. And if it's not from you looking at the nozzle, you will turn it clockwise. I know that sounds weird, but if you're looking at it, you'll turn it clockwise. It makes sense. But if you, if you are going to replace it with a nicer nozzle, just replace the whole hot end with a better hot end anyways. Make sure you use quality materials because shit materials equal shit prints. Right, we 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 showed this earlier the the fail box that I did um, where we had a jam. It cleared itself, but we had a jam. Make sure that your extruder is good. Right, make sure your gears are tight in that extruder. If you want upgrade to a dual uh, gear extruder, go direct drive. If you want to play that game. If you're staying Bowden, make sure your Bowden tube is good. Oh, sorry. Make sure your building tube is good. Get some damn cap tube. It's cheap. It's real cheap. And finally, get that all metal hot end. Uh, Bad Juju B says, how do you feel about flex beds with resin machines? The ones I've seen for Saturn and Mars are very iffy on consistent performance. I've got some for my Saturn. Saturns. I have never installed them. Wham Bam makes some really, really good ones. And I know I'm going to sound like a Wham Bam fanboy, but I just want George Michaels to come on with a saxophone solo. You know what I'm saying? I think what Wham Bam has, and yes, they are considerably more expensive than anybody else, it's consistency. And that consistency, to me, matters a lot. If you don't re-level your build plate for your resin printer, when you put on a flex plate, you're going to have a bad time. Like, literally, as soon as you install the flex plate, completely loosen 
uh, your your build plate because you will you have now lost a little bit of your Z axis because that flex plate, excuse me, takes up some space. I believe there's value to it personally. I use a silicone mat and I just scrape everything off onto a silicone mat. I cure any excess resin on that mat. I put the build plate back in the printer and we're done, right? That's my personal because I didn't have these flex plates. Now I want to try them, but it's going to take me a little bit. I think if you buy from a reputable reseller for those flex plates, you'll be okay. That's my personal opinion. But yeah, guys, we're running on an hour and a half. I think I've beaten this one to death enough here. Um, I appreciate you guys coming out and hanging out. Uh, I'll give you another minute or two for any final thoughts or questions before we call this one a wrap. Um, next week, it is next week, right? Next week is, is next week really Thanksgiving in the U.S.? No, two weeks. Two weeks is Thanksgiving in the U.S., um... I don't know what we're going to do or that Thursday is Thanksgiving. Now, that one might be a weird stream because I'm going to be at my mom's house for that. Um, I hope. I don't know if I'll be able to drive down there, but I'm hoping to be down there for it. Uh, so maybe we'll do a family stream. We'll see. Chris Polk asks, what about the tuning plate itself? I may be naive, but a tuning plate and a drill press may be worth the time so many cheap Pringle chip plates. I have no idea what you're referencing, unfortunately. I mean, build plate. Ah, okay. Under the removable. Yes. Having a, having a bed, like under the glass, under the flex plate, that is not crap, is absolutely, absolutely good. Like, if you're using a stock Ender 3 heat bed and you put a flex plate on it, you're going to probably have a bad time. With an Ender 3, I might put the flex plate on the glass because the glass will be more flat. We are going to install a dial indicator on our mutant and I'm going to run the dial indicator across the bed of the Ender 3 so people can see how bad it actually is because it's really bad like they're warped like hell from the factory duff says eat a turkey on stream i don't know i i, I don't know if i want to you know eat on stream y'all have to give me a lot of super chats if i'm gonna be eating on stream it feels like somebody's awkward fetish <laughs> but yeah like on on our custom built printers that we do we use a piece of mix six or mic six mic dash six aluminum for the plate and then we use a canovo heater those are all quality parts they have a much lower tendency to warp they're still going to warp a little bit but it's a much lower tendency to warp i think it really boils down to using quality stuff right if you have crap quality stuff then i do not expect your prints to be any good Jeff says, no conversation at all, just eat the turkey. I'm more of a ham guy. I'm more of a ham guy. Am I going to get, like, hate comments for that? I really like ham. But my mom does smoke a mean-ass turkey. I'm just saying. Damn it. I'm hungry now. All right. I'm out of here, guys. We're tangenting, which means it's time to call this one a wrap. Thank you all so much for coming out and hanging out. 
stay safe out there, guys. It's it's the time of the year where people aren't concentrating well on the roads. Stay safe out there. Don't forget to call your loved ones. We're coming into the holiday season. Don't forget to call your dang loved ones, all right? And as always, keep making awesome. Have a good one. Solo stream! I can kill this whenever I want. It's just more fun to do it this way.